Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? Uh, what the fuck, wits? Yeah, I, you know, that one's not that nice, but I thought I'd try it. I, I'm not encouraging more of these. What the fuckstables? There's a lot that I can't get to. Uh, what the fuck are Ricans? What the fuck are Rickett? Uh, what, uh, what? What? What just happened? Did my brain just skid out? Oh, my God. This is WTF. I am Mark Marin. I'm out here in the garage. I'm doing Let's do this right away because. Oh, hold on. Pow! Wow! I just shit my pants. That's justcoffee.coop. You can get that at wtfpod.com or at justcoffee.coop. I'm doing that early in the show because apparently my mild bullying of Mike up at Just Coffee yielded me a great uh, big bunch of coffee in the mail. So now I'm all jacked up and out of my fucking mind at the beginning of the show here. Today on the show, Paul Reiser. Oh, I saw that face. I saw, I heard your reaction. I see, you're like, Paul Reiser, really? Yes, Really? Paul Reiser is on the show, and Paul Reiser, when I first saw Diner Man, that dude I thought was hilarious in that movie. I loved that movie. It had a profound impact on my life in a lot of ways. Loved that movie. I had not started doing comedy uh, when I'd seen it, and then I saw that movie, and uh, that was when I approached Paul Reiser at a comedy club when I was in college and asked him some big questions, or one big question. I'll bring that up to him, but we'll talk to him in a second. I would like to get to... The emails in response to the Todd Hansen episode of this show. And by get to, I don't mean I'm going to read them because there were literally hundreds of them. Uh, And I can't tell you how profoundly moved I was by these emails and how excited uh, in in a very deep way that, that that interview helped so many people with their own depression, with their own, uh, understanding of people in their lives with depression uh, and and also all the love that went out to Todd. Uh, I've been forwarding these emails for the last few days to Todd and uh, I just I can't even express uh, how that makes me feel and how and how it's uh, made Todd feel uh, just great. And, and I'm so happy that 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 episode had had such a profound effect on everyone. I really am. I it's actually getting to the point. And I'm sad to say this that I read all the emails that come in, but I can't, I'm no longer in a position where I can honestly say that I will respond to all of them. I apologize for that, but do know that I do read them and do know that all the stuff that came in for Todd, uh, I forwarded on to Todd and uh, just, I'm I'm just so happy that episode did what it did. Oh yeah. Another thing I got in the mail, in the, in the snail mail because of my talk with Nick Thune. uh, And I guess I mentioned that I don't uh, find a lot of Christians trying to get me on board. Well, someone had uh, Amazon send me a New Testament. So that was the first genuine approach. I am I am holding it in my hand right now. I don't know what I'll do with it. It's a nice little book. It seems to be uh, written for, for people who don't want to read Bible language, but would like to read stories. And uh, I yeah, thank you for that. Thank you. And I, I knew it, it came with a, a slightly reluctant note uh, saying, well, you said no one did this, so here you go. Okay, message received. And that's literally the name of the New Testament, the message. So I'll figure out what to do with that later. 
I do appreciate the gesture. As always, I am completely thrilled that uh, this show inspires people to do things, even if it's send me a Bible, make a picture, make a mosaic of my face, what, whatever it's doing. If it's, if it's getting you guys going and it's getting people creative and it's making you see things in a different way, I couldn't fucking be more happy about that. I, I just I don't even know what to do with those feelings, but they're good ones. So thanks for coming out in Sunnyvale. Sunnyvale, California, in a comedy club that might as well be a time machine. Rooster Tea Feathers is a classic comedy club that's gone through several periods of uh, of this or that, but it, it remains intact almost exactly as it was in the 80s, including pictures of uh, big stars uh, of their headshots from the 80s. But the feeling of the club is 80s. It really, it's as if you're you're time traveling for fuck's sake. There's a disco ball. The music they play in between acts is from the 80s. And I don't know if they're doing it on purpose, but we had a great show. A lot of WTFers came out. Thrilled to see y'all. A fan took me over to the Google campus. I, you know, I wouldn't have even thought that. I was right across the street from, uh, from Apple. I didn't go over there. I do know that my BlackBerry was not working well. Uh, I don't know if Apple had anything to do with that. I don't know if that because I was in the Apple radius that my BlackBerry, that dispatches from my BlackBerry were being attacked in midair by Apple information assassins, data assassins being dispatched from the main campus. I don't know, but it was fucked up. I was right there. I don't really put it into context where I am, but then uh, a fan emailed me and said, well, why don't you want to come to Google? They have great food. And I thought I didn't know Google was known for its food. But apparently it is in that area. If you're lucky enough to have a pal who'll take you over to Google, there's fucking free food everywhere. I could not believe this thing. It's this huge corporate campus. And I met a couple of other people from Google. And I got to be honest with you, they're a little googly eyed. And I don't mean to. I know that sounded stupid, but for serious, man, for reals, there's a there's a cult like element to Google because people love working there so fucking much. How can you not? I mean, they got free food everywhere. It's their idea that people should be able to eat wherever they want, whenever they want. There's literally cafes and restaurants in every building at the Google campus. They have laundromats. They have a, a, a hospital there almost, like a health clinic. They've got a gym. They got volleyball. They got a sculpture garden. They got a Tyrannosaurus Rex skeleton out there. They got, but the food, man, I went to, I got to Google on Friday and I went to what could only be, de- be described as a, a food court cafeteria thousands of people eating they had indian food they had burgers they had all all types of desserts they had food that would could accommodate anybody i I had some of the best indian food i've ever had in my life at google how is that possible and then i thought just when i was stuffed and i couldn't eat anymore we took a walk and in another part of the google campus they had food trucks and some sort of seafood fair right there on the google camp just people fucking eating i could not believe it I wanted to live there. I think that's what I think that's what they're gunning for. I think if you spend more than three hours at Google, you automatically work there or you, you can't leave. I don't know what the idea is, but they clearly don't want people to leave. I was amazed at the place. I didn't see anybody doing anything. I didn't see anyone doing any work anywhere at Google. I don't know what I was expecting. I don't know if I was expecting to to walk down hallways and have panicky nerds bolting out of doors saying, hey, someone just someone just searched parrot, cowboy boot and lubricant. Where do I send them? Anyone got answers? Yeah, I don't I don't know if I was expecting that. I would think that I wasn't. But uh, it's certainly a funny image. 
And then I started thinking, why are they feeding these guys so much? I mean, you know, most people, I don't have the discipline not to eat everything all the time. I think they're fattening them up. I think that they're getting these, these nerd engineers obese so they can't leave offices. And those will function as, as almost like veal calf pens. So they just fatten up these nerds. And then what they're doing with those nerds is I was, I asked a woman who I went with, I said, look, where, where do they keep the main data processing stuff? Where are the hard drives? And she was like, well, we don't know. And then I started thinking, man, maybe this is devious. Maybe, maybe there's a, a the, maybe it's, it, there's a Google, there's the Google, just this large, maybe uh, sort of like 50 foot obese nerd that it just has wires plugged directly into his skull. And he's just in a, in a basement uh, climate controlled room and they, they just rely on him. He's some sort of savant, like, a, you know, like the minority report. It, was that the name of it with the, with the Tom Cruise movie where they just plug into these junkies brains? Well, they just he's actually his brain is the search engine for the entire Google platform. And what they do is they feed him these these full size fattened up nerd engineers that they're fattening and keeping locked in this room like they and they can't let you see that because only two or three people can see the Google. Maybe maybe that's what's going on. Wow. And just a thought, you know, these billionaires, these tech billionaires, I never really saw it up close, but boy, extravagant. There was part of me that thought like, okay, I'm glad there's all this food, but is there sort of is there a money buffet? Perhaps if they're willing to to go to this degree to get people to like them and like their company, I'd like to go to the money buffet, the free money buffet. Is where is that? Is that anywhere? Don't feed the Google billionaires. Why do they even keep working? That's what I don't understand. If I had a billion dollars, you know what I would do? Nothing. I would do nothing. I would sit outside on my deck and I would just sit there and do nothing. I would just sit and look out at my yard, do some thinking. And occasionally just maybe go, <laughs> I have a billion dollars. Holy fuck. <sighs> That's what I would do. Because if I had all that money, I don't know, then I'd have to get a bigger house. Don't you have to get a bigger house when you have a lot of money? I don't know how people handle houses. I don't know how people handle it. I have a two-bedroom house. It's too much for me. I, if I had a billion dollars, I probably wouldn't even move. I I probably, nah, I wouldn't move because I I get anxious with the second bedroom in this house. All my shit's in the garage. I have a bedroom. There's another bedroom in the house that I walk by on my way to my bedroom and I look in there and I'm like, oh God, what the, what am I going to do with that room? I got to do something. There's just this giant bed in there that that uh, a guy who was living in my house bought, this California King bed and there's a mound of Jessica's clothing, of course. But what what am I going to do with that room? I don't know. It makes me panicky. I couldn't handle a third room. I guess so. If you had that much money, you could pay someone to handle your rooms. Maybe if I had a billion dollars, I would I would do something with that room. Maybe I would just put a stack of money in it, and I could show people my house and say, "Yeah, it's just a small house, small two bedroom house. This is my bedroom. That's my money. This is my living room. This is the cats." Do you want to look at my money again? By the way, the music in this episode of WTF is by the Tomorrow Men. They have a new album called It's About Time, and you can check them out at iTunes or at their website, tmensurf.com. Do that.
Did you ever think in your career that uh, that a press opportunity that you would do would involve you driving to the hills of Highland Park, which I'm sure you've never been to? Never been here. To, and actually, somebody had to sell you on the idea that this is worth doing. Am I right? Uh, yeah, but I'm an easy sell. <laughs> Someone says, you know, this would be good. Okay, I'll go do that. I'm not... I'm not that resistant. So I picked because uh, I don't I, leave the house, but I, but if uh, but if somebody says you should, yeah, I will. Yeah, I pictured that for some reason in my mind. I pictured you in the car, uh, you know, about to come over here, saying, you know, you know, do I have to fucking do this thing? Where is it again? Is it? Am I misreading you? Well, first of all, I, I my brain, uh, my brain doesn't always digest stuff. Not always. My brain usually does not digest stuff properly, so. I remember I said, yeah, it's got to go to Pasadena. I went, okay. <laughs> and, I was, and I just plug in the address in my GPS. I'm going, is it possible there's two streets with this name? I, You know, what if, oh, man. I, yeah. I plugged it in. I got here perfectly, but yeah. I don't really trust my thing. And I, oh, yeah. You know, and I should really look at a map. And, yeah. And then also then there's the reasoning. It's like, and why? Why again? <laughs> well, it'll be good. Phil Rosenthal said he had a lovely time with you. That was it. Phil. Phil's the reason I'm here. Oh, oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I called Phil. I said, "You did Mark's show." He goes, "Lovely guy." I said, "All right." Yeah, he's a lovely guy. Yeah, I tend to. I have a guy. It's interesting with you because I have this thing in my head. I met you when I was 19 years old. This is this is a true story. Before I started doing comedy, I was maybe my first year of college. I'd gone down to New York. I knew I go to school. I went to school at BU, but before that, a small, uh, stupid school. And uh, I don't know which one I was at. I did my freshman year at a, a school that they had a they had a, a very popular program for for uh, people with learning disabilities, but also they they catered to rich Jewish families that had fucked up kids. So I was in the second uh, middle class, not rich. But anyway, so I uh, I don't want to give people the wrong idea. So I, I go to New York. We go to the comic strip just to see comedy. I knew in my mind, in my heart, I want to do comedy. And I see you sitting out there at one of the tables. And I just seen Diner, and I, I and you went on that night. So I walk up to you, and I see, I did the thing that people have done to me a hundred, you know, thousands of times now. And I look at you and I go, I really want to do comedy. What do I do? <laughs> and you just oh, geez, what did I say? Get a garage in Pasadena. <laughs> no, step you, one. You know what you said, uh -oh. which turned out to be true. But I, t I think it, I, I I thought you were trying to get rid of me at the time. You said you you just got to do it. Yeah, and that was, no, and that, was, that, that, was that, that is both getting rid of people and the truth. <laughs> I, I was actually uh, somebody talking about diner. Somebody yeah. I, I was doing a uh, a retrospect. They're doing it's the thirtieth anniversary. Yeah, <laughs> so I was talking to this guy, and, and uh, he reminded me that Barry Levinson, among many other things, got me into writing. Uh, just you know, thought I could do it, and he had recommended me for something. I suddenly was off and running as a writer, and I was writing some TV stuff, and then. I went to him once I had this idea for a screenplay and I had no idea how to write it. And I went to, probably a year after Diner, yeah. so I'm 25 or something. I said, I said to Barry, kind of in all seriousness, I said, how do I, how do you write a screenplay? He said, okay, you write fade in and then keep typing. <laughs> that was it. That was it. And you know, again, kind of quick, you know, cutesy, but not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Because if yeah. you don't write fade in and you don't... Keep typing, you won't have a screenplay. Nothing. Both of those things are important. Yeah, yeah. Start it and continue. <laughs> yeah, that's the hardest thing, I think, finishing anything. What do you think? What was that first one about? Oh, uh, I don't even remember. Really? You know, yeah, uh, you know, actually, actually, it's the movie that took me 20 years to do. It was uh, what became the Peter Falk movie that I did a couple of years ago. came out about in 05. And I had this idea back then. Uh, so, I mean, I had it for 20-something years. Um, this idea that I wanted to write a movie about me and my father 
with Peter Falk playing my father. And, it, and the impetus was as simple as the, uh, I had, I was back in New Jersey visiting, I guess I was in California already, and I, I visited my parents yeah. and there was a Peter Falk movie on the TV and my father was laughing and I suddenly just got this moment of clarity that went, Peter Falk always makes my dad laugh. No one else does. I mean, and he was a lighthearted guy, but he just kind of didn't, nobody really impressed him. But yeah. Peter Falk always got him. And I yeah. just had this insight of Peter Falk as my father. That's all I had. And so I said, okay, I'm going to write a movie. What the hell is it going to be? I don't know, but it'll be. And then I had this idea it's going to be a road trip, the father and son. And I, you know, I don't have to be Freud to start realizing, <laughs> well, maybe this is the time you wanted to spend with your dad and you'll write it in a fictitious thing. Yeah, and, yeah. And you'll make Peter Falk say what it is you wanted your father to say. And did you do that? And we ended up doing it. And, and so I, I started it, put it away, started to put it away. And then uh, actually, so that, yeah, that must have been 83, 4. I moved right. out to California in 83. And I remember in my first apartment typing away, literally writing fade in yeah. and then staring yeah. at the computer, not the typewriter. Didn't have computers then. Um, and when Mad About You is over, which is now, you know, then 1999 or, two, yeah, and then 2000, I said, okay. Uh, if you want to do this, you got. I saw Peter Falk in a play, and I just got so excited again. I could. I, I said, "You must be crazy to not do this. Go yeah. write the stupid thing. It probably, you know, it's a thousand reasons it won't happen anyway. Yeah, but go, you do it. Yeah. So, yeah. so I sat down, and it finally, after all that time, it didn't take that long. It took twenty years, and yeah. then six weeks. Yeah. And so when you sit down, it comes out, and I literally, and I had met Peter Falk, and it was a long story. I didn't think I'd be telling it. Um, I went back after the play. I hadn't met him once before, but I met him after the play. And at yeah. the play, he reminded me of this story that he, I went to him and I just, you know, I, I was like a kid at the circus. I mean, I just always loved him. The first, he's great. I mean, he's, he's great. Were you a Cassavetes fan? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah from yeah. Husbands. And, yeah. But the first thing I remember seeing Peter Falk in um, either Pocketful of Miracles or Rain, uh, Robin and the Seven Hoods. I don't, I don't remember which I saw first. Yeah. I think I saw the second one first. Robin Hood came out later. But, um. And I just loved him, and maybe he kind of reminded me of my dad. I don't know what it was, but there's just something so organically funny and beautiful and, and tender and yeah. powerful about him. So I went backstage to say hello, and and I never told him. I never told him that I had this thing in the back of my head, because I figured if I said, you know, I want to write a screenplay, he'd right. say, well, then do it. <laughs> what the hell are you bothering me now? So I didn't say anything. <laughs> do you do other impressions? No, that's it. So I so I remember I said to him, I said, boy, I love the play, and he grabbed me by the hand, and yeah. he looked me in the eye very purposefully. He goes... I love everything you do. I said, well, gee, that's, he goes, I love your acting. I said, what the, he goes, I love your writing. <laughs> and I said, well, that's kind of, and then he says it again. He looks me in the eye, making sure I didn't miss it. I love your writing. And went, what the hell is going on? How does he know I have this idea? <laughs> so I literally went home that day and I started writing. <laughs> Did he talk to your father? No, I don't know what that was. <laughs> yeah. It was just something he, you know, it he was sent something. something. Sent something. Uh-huh. And, uh, a couple of weeks later, I finished the script. I call him up. I said, "Can I?" And I tried to impart to him how long I've been sitting on this. And he goes, "Well, you wrap it off, and I'll read it." And and I dropped it off. And that night, like eleven o'clock at night, I I was sitting thinking, maybe he'll call tonight. You yeah, know, when yeah, I yeah, sit yeah, by the yeah. phone. And yeah, I remember, yeah. And I said, "I can't sit here forever." So I took the dog out for a walk. I come yeah. back. I missed it. It was like you know, a little bit. I was <laughs> yeah. like, "No!" I was gone for forty seconds. <laughs> yeah. And on the message machine was. Well, I'm on page 43, and I fucking love this. <laughs> I fucking love this. I went, no! Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, and then he called me two hours later, and, and he said, let's do this. And I went, well, okay, that's why you should write whatever you have. And, and then and then we ended up doing it. Wasn't, it still wasn't easy, and there were a thousand things that, you know, obstacles. But 
you know, I, I, which was now which movie was this? It was, it was a thing called The Thing About My Folks, and it was Peter Falk, Olivia, Olympia Dukakis. Was it received well? It was received well and tiny. Uh, you know, it, I mean, people who saw it, you know, uh, which is <laughs> it seems to be my, my theme in life now. For those who want to see this and w- w- loved it, um, and it didn't, it didn't get. Uh, it got some nice reviews, and it got some uh, less kind reviews, but. I always tell people go see it for him. I think it was his last performance, and and uh, I think he might have done something afterwards, or he was supposed to. But certainly one of his last, if not his, la- you know, his last. And he was, and he's the absolute center, and he's just brilliant. And I was sitting there, not only marveling, like, you know, hey, I get to sit next to my idol, and yeah. he's Peter Falk, and yeah. I'm watching him work, and yeah. he, he kick ass, and yeah. he was brilliant. And at the same time, and you're playing my father, and I can't believe you're doing this. I right. You know, we were upstate New York filming it, and it was, you know, it was, it was dream come true. So, to anybody aspiring out there, to the young yous out there, just write it. Well, and, isn't and that, something will happen. Isn't that interesting, though, that, like, it, it, it's weird, because a, a guy that's had your success and, and your visibility and, and is, is a, a big star in your own right, that there's still... These guys, like I imagine that, you know, when you sit down with guys of your generation, like Larry Miller or Larry David or any of the dudes that you start out with, Seinfeld, whoever your friends are at this time, that you don't get that same feeling. It's like, this is fucking Peter Falk. You know, I was just I, just driving up here on the yeah. radio listening to some guy that I didn't know, some yeah. guy, a music guy, who was talking about this, like there's a, a um, sort of a retro thing going on now where young 20-year-olds are going looking at the 90s and yeah. going to him who had his first album in the 90s going, well, that was the golden time, man. And they're going, well, I don't know, really? It's like, yeah. you know, everybody goes, <laughs> I remember seeing John Lennon on some show and talking about, uh, or it was Mike Douglas maybe, and he yeah. got to meet Chuck Berry. And he couldn't believe, he goes, oh my God, I'm meeting Chuck Berry. Right. Going, You're John Lennon, what do yeah. you care? It's like, well, because that's where, you know, that's where he learned his rock and roll. So yeah, so the people that you come in admiring will forever have that special place. Right, you still like have a child look, a childlike Absolute, awe yeah. of them. Now, wait, no, you grew up in Jersey? I grew up in Manhattan, in New York. I, uh, my family moved to New Jersey uh, like when I was in college, just when I went to college. And you did comedy because I don't... Do you, when was the last time you did stand-up? It's very funny. I, I just like two months ago started doing it for the first time um, just because it felt like, you know, I, I've in the last five years or 10 years, I'll, I'll do a, you know, a benefit right, or I'll right, see right. something. Yeah. And I'll go get off stage and go, well, that was fun. Yeah. But knowing full well, well, that's not really stand-up. That right, was a right. very specialized audience. Right. And the minute you weren't having fun, you could say, yeah, let me bring on <laughs> let me bring on the mayor now. Yeah, glad uh, to help out. Yeah, glad to help out. God bless the children. <laughs> uh, which is not the same as I got yeah, I got to do 20 minutes. Or new material. Yeah. And shit. But, but it was time after time. I go, my goodness, that's fun in yeah. a way that yeah. other things are not. And it's uncluttered. And, and so I just thought, I'm going to go do that. It was actually on my birthday. It was in March. And I just I said to my wife, so what do you want to do? I said, come with me to the comedy club. And so I was like, okay. It was like, you know, it was like, let's go to like to a cliff and make out. It was like, yeah. we haven't done this in 30 years. Yeah, well, let's do that. Let's this just sit in the wife? car and neck. My wife. Yeah. And, and who I met in a comedy club. She was a waitress in a comedy club. So No, really? Yeah. Which one? It was in the uh, in Pittsburgh. It was the Pittsburgh, uh, it was called the Funny Bone. I, it's still there, I believe. No, I can't, I don't think so. No, there's definitely another really? Funny Bone. Oh, yeah. You know what? They did, they... They moved it. It was. It was. You're they, right. There's not one in Pitts. No, they were, they, I, I think. I know they moved the location to a much more upscale thing. It was like on a dead highway, and like it was a horrible thing. But you know the the story among I think it was Larry Miller, who said you know the fact that I married a com- people always say oh you're a waitress you know because for a comic you know what that means like all right so 
We'll have a nice uh, Thursday in Cleveland. You know, I'll have a nice couple of nights in sure. Houston. Who are you, who are you following? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so, and so the joke was the fact that we that we hit it off and the marriage, you know, relationship succeeded. We've been together thirty years. And he said, he said, the fact that that happened will keep comics getting laid on the road for fifty years. So I, I'm glad to help out, again, to help the youngsters in any way I can. 30 years. So you were how old when you met her? Uh, we met in 80, almost 30 years. Uh, we met in 82. Now, so you'd been, so that, because it seems to me that you, if you got Diner when you were 24. The same year. It, it seems to me that you weren't doing comedy that long. I wasn't. I wasn't. I, I, no, com I actually happened, uh, it was, you know, they, the, uh, Casting directors would come to the cl clubs to so imagine trip? they still to the club, yeah, in the city, so improv and comedy. They'd make the rounds and they would uh, sometimes just you know see if there's anybody appealing out there, and sometimes very specifically they're looking for this look or this thing. And I don't know if it's still. It must be. It must be just so. Uh, well, everything's broken apart now. I mean, they can just go online and see anybody. Yeah, there's no way, to, no way to be discovered anymore. Yeah, because, or you could constantly discover. Right, but at the time. You know, and they used to actually synchronize it, and they would say, you know, we're, we're doing a movie about blah, blah, blah. We need guys who are, you know, whatever, six yeah. foot two. Yeah. So the clubs would put on all their six foot two guys. They'll put on their best guys. And when they were casting Diner, they actually were looking for, uh, I don't know what they, what, they, what they put out, but I was under the radar. I wasn't even on the club's radar, like, well, you should see Paul. Um, so they, they, so they came, I think they came in and looked at some guys. They weren't looking for indecisive Jews? No, they, they, <laughs> I, I talked them into that. <laughs> Um, well, but it's funny because yeah. so and actually the next day my buddy Michael Michael Hampton Kane did you know him uh -huh. yeah and he he was no longer with us and uh, he was I don't think he auditioned but he just or he had a, he he was to go down and audition for the director and drop off his picture and we were going and I just went with him right oh we were, really we were on our way somewhere else I, I he said what are you doing today I said I got to go to Macy's this is the story I said, yeah I have to go to Macy's I got to buy socks I suddenly woke up I said I got no socks yeah. I said where do you go Macy's I guess yeah. So he said, well, I'm going four blocks from there. Come on, I'll, you can come with me, drop off this picture, and I'll, I'll take a walk. All right. And as I was waiting in the thing, in the office there, the casting director said, all right, where's your picture? I said, no, 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 I'm just waiting for my friend inside. And she said, well, come back tomorrow, bring a picture. So it was absolutely an accident, but it, was, but we, it basically came out of came out of you know them coming to look. But it's funny, you said, did you talk about you, indecisive Jews? Because I had just started... Uh, taking an acting class, so I was, you know, oh, now I'm auditioning for a movie. I will show all my technique and yeah. and my voice and my. Pre and in fact, the biggest chunk of my act, as it were, I mean, I was doing, at that time, you know, yeah, was about diners yeah. in Greek diners in New York and the Greek, you know, and just from the coffee and the waiters and just diner crap. Yeah, and and so I was. There was no part. There was nothing to audition. And, yeah. and Barry Levinson, the director, said, "Well, then we'll just talk." And, and and I think I read some scene and he said, uh, well, you don't have to act it. And I said, well, if I don't act it, then it just sounds like I'm some guy having coffee in a diner. He said, well, that's what I actually kind of need. I went, is that right? <laughs> so you did the bit? I, yeah, I started, we started talking. I, I don't know if I even did the bit or we just started talking. Did you talking. do a conversational? You yeah, well, it was this. Yeah, yeah, we literally yeah. started talking right. and yeah. he was, we were talking about comedy and, you know, and, and I know that now, but having been on the other side of the couch, you know, when, as a producer and, and, you're, and you're casting something, yeah, you want somebody to hit the scene and nail it, but you get just as much out of talking to them just in in conversation. You go, okay, I, I see the way the person's mind works, or I see a, a sparkle in their eye, and you can get you can get what you like or don't like about them without a script. Have you casted people that uh, that didn't do the scene well just because you liked them? Um, well, ultimately, you have to be able to 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 deliver. But there have been people that you go, okay, the. the Based on the scene reading, it's not like it was head and shoulders above the last guy. Right. But sitting in conversation, 
yeah, you go, okay, you know what? I like this person. There's something, there's funny, there's a funny brain or there's something that works the other way. Something they wouldn't have wanted you to see, like an insecurity or, you know, or the way they tripped up and, and, and got insecure. Like, okay, that's really engaging. That's really You see fun... some, something's revealed yeah. in that moment where you're like, oh, yeah, that's in there. Yeah, and, 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 you, and I've learned that. And I remember, and I've told this to, to, to people coming in on auditions, that, and somebody had said this to me too. When you go in as an actor, you know you think, "Oh God, I just want this. I hope they hope they like me." And they're going, "They're never rooting against you. They are always hoping, please be the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing would make them happier for you to be it. So you you need to bring that in and and in with you and think, I'm for all I know, I'm it. And right. you don't give them reasons not to hire you. No, don't sit out in the room and watch the the guy before the other you guy, walk out yeah, and go, go, "Oh fuck, look how happy that guy is. He killed it. You know? <laughs> oh, he's got it. Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> that happens to everybody. Yeah. So I think the question that, that I was moving towards was that- Were you moving it, towards a question? A little bit. Is that it seemed that you got success pretty quickly and that uh, that your comedy career as a stand-up was relatively you know, a small window, huh? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I, I- Was that your goal? Was it to no, be a TV thing? No, or, or no. I, it, was, it was the longest far down the road- Goal. You thought you were just going to be a comic. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought that the payoffs were, you know, when I started, um, actually, what helped propel me to even go into the comedy clubs when I was still in college, was seeing guys like Freddie Prinze, Gabe Kaplan, Jimmy Walker, and if you go back, you know, that far, and suddenly I saw that there was a a. Um, a route to follow. Okay, so if you go to these clubs and you start to get a stand-up act, then you go on the talk shows, then you get a sitcom, and then movies and blah, and then you're But you and... saw all that. Yeah, but but it wasn't, I want to do comedy as short as possible and then right. get, get the hell out. Right. I always loved comedy, but I, I just had this vague sense of you jump into this pool and you start swimming as fast as you can and you'll end up, you know, on the, or and that's not a pool, you'll end up on the other side of whatever. Um, what did you study in college? Music and and you know business minor, but I was a music. I was didn't know I wasn't planning to do anything with that. But uh, either of them, no, <laughs> no, I don't know what the hell I was doing. You just had parents um, that were relatively supportive. And no, said, I was. I played piano. Yeah, I played piano. I was a musician and I was a composer, so I wanted to do that. And then sort of the the uh, nod to uh, being you know, responsible and towards was the my father. Yeah, I'll take right. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll know what a, that'll you know, placate them. Yes. So uh, what year? So that's like what seventy three to seventy six. Now, like, now as a composer, I just want to. I want to know. There must have been some vision there. I mean, it's seventy what seventy three to seventy seven. So what were you? What, uh, what were you sitting at the piano I don't know what, doing? Well, I was always. I mean, I, I as a kid, I studied classical music, but I didn't. I never. And you know, I was never. You know, good, particularly good. Yeah. I was good for a guy who does people don't play piano. Yeah. You know, if you pick ten kids, well, which guy play that guy? He's good. It's like, well, he can play a whole song. You know, but if you get a room full of guys who actually play, he's yeah. like, I ain't in that group. So. Um, but like, were you going to write the symphony? No, but so, write no, that, no, no. I don't Cole know. Porter, what I don't you... know. That's a good question. I, I didn't really. I, I, I guess in my dream, and I still have this in the back of my head. I would yeah. love to write some great orchestral symphonic thing or a great movie score. But I remember in, in the time at the time, <laughs> again, it's like who's out there and it, and it influences. And yeah. in the seventies, and when I was in college, yeah. Um, Barry Manilow broke big, and that wasn't that was gonna be Barry Manilow. But I remember, but reading, I remember reading that he broke. He came out of uh, commercials, mm -hmm. and he was uh, a jingle writer mm -hmm. and and arranger and everything else. So I thought, oh, maybe that's that's the way in. Maybe into what I don't even know. And I and I knew somebody, a friend of the family, who was yeah. a big guy at an advertising thing. Uh -huh. 
So it's all, you know, and I've seen it happen with dozens of friends and kid, yeah. uh, kids of my friends who will approach and like, I'm feeling, I'm 21, I, what do you want, I want to do? So I, I asked for a meeting with this guy who was the head of the music department at some big New York ad agency. And I said, you know, I'm a music major and I'm thinking, and that looks fun. Um, and he said to me, it is the most competitive thing. If there's anything else that you could possibly do, <laughs> do that. I went, okay, good, glad I asked. <laughs> And you didn't compose any jingles. No, right? no, not even one. But I just thought, oh, I don't know. That'll... But that... I got one for Hershey's chocolate. Just no, listen. But I just thought, okay, maybe that's how you sort of get into the world. Right. But two things I remember I, I, I learned from that. One is that advice, again, is just like, you know, uh, just do it. Uh, they, the, to take someone and say, hey, if there's anything else you can do, do that. Yeah. That's going to weed, you know, weed you out. So a lot of people go, oh, yeah, I, I, I certainly don't want to work that hard. Okay, yeah. then you ain't going to make it. Right. Because that, and that's true for acting. It's true for business. It's like if there's anything else you can do, business is very hard. Maybe don't do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, well, it's all hard. But, you know, a lot of people, though, are so, you know, there's a certain type of infantile entitlement and delusion that yes. comes with pursuing any career in show business. So, so there are going to be people that you tell that to, and they're like, that ain't me. That's not, I right. mean, I'm special. Right. Well, but, but it, it, it's fine. And by the way, whether it's delusion or whatever it is that keeps you in, you, go ahead. You know, yeah. do what you, you got to do. What you're going to do anyway. Um, so you didn't go with jingles, and you still you you, you thought Barry. Well, I, would, I remember. I, I remember this. I remember seeing. Uh, I kept. God, I haven't thought of this in a thousand years. Um, I remember. Um, I kept seeing Marvin Hamlish's name. Sure. And because, but but in the a sting. weird way. Yeah. Well, but even before the sting. Yeah. I remember seeing he was like on Groucho's live album. He was his piano player, or and he somebody else. And you he, listen he, to Groucho's records, yeah, yeah. And and his he as like he seemed to like be the house pianist for show business. And yeah, well, this guy, and then the Sting, and it became I don't know, maybe the Sting was <laughs> the house piano remember. player for show. Business. Yeah, it's like everyone uses this guy, and then you found it was Barbara Streisand's <laughs> like. Yeah. So and then I remember I, I, I he I was a senior, junior, or senior in college, and he was now scoring films. So it must have been after the Sting, yeah. sure. And he was doing a big James Bond movie. And I wrote him some letter. And I was thinking, and I've gotten this request too recently. Can I, I wrote, can I, do you need an assistant? Can I just like basically watch what is it like to score movies? Could you, you know, to maybe I could copy the music for you, get coffee and stuff. Yeah. You know, you just roll it, throw it out there. Did he write back? Got a letter back. And <laughs> I remember getting it on James Bond stationery. Yeah. It was like, it was like, it, on the airmail, you know, those little blue ones. Yeah. But it was like Octopussy or whatever the heck it was. Mm -hmm. And I went, why am I getting James Bond? And I opened it up, it was handwritten. Couldn't have been sweeter. And, yeah. you know, uh, no, I'm not looking for an assistant, but, you know, you might try uh, such, I think you miss, you know, try advertising agents, try this, and good luck, and just keep doing it. And I thought, well, A, this guy is aces forever. Yeah, yeah. It, took, it took five minutes to write to a kid in college. Did you ever meet him? I did, and, and I did, shared that story. And what did he say? And he said, "Stop bothering me." Now that <laughs> yeah. you know what's funny, I did meet him backstage, and I shared that, and he was he was very nice, and he knew yeah. me at this point. And then, actually, a month ago, I was on a plane <laughs> going, going. I was going flying New York to here, yeah. and I see I'm sitting next to him, but I didn't know. And I got on the plane. I said, "That guy looks like Marvin Hamlish," and the back of my head goes, "Idiot! Not every guy who looks like Marvin Hamlish is Marvin Hamlish." Yeah. So I didn't say anything. Yeah. And then someone else. As I got off, do you see Marvin Hamish was sitting next? No, I can't believe I snubbed him. <laughs> he didn't recognize you either. No, though. that's true. He, yeah. So all right, he was sleeping. So, but but you did have sort of a a business sensibility about show business, which is uh, impressive. You know, in in your early twenties, that you saw that there was some way to move. Well, I think you just do anything. You know, and I, 
I got a good buddy, uh, a kid of a good buddy of mine who recently said the same thing. Can I, you know, just come out and... It's like, well, yeah, but, you know, walking around following me in the house is not going to help you. If You know, get on a show. We'll see if we can get you something. But, and I tell my kids, my kids are, you know, much younger. But, yeah, just every experience is is uh, fruitful, even if it's not what you want to do. But if it helps you eliminate, you know, when you're 20. You got to make mistakes. And you, you make got to realize some hits. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Right. Now I know I, what I don't want to do. And now, you eliminate it. Were your parents always supportive of you? I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think skeptical because, like, wow, who? It's concerned mostly, though. I think, isn't it? Yeah, for you know, very uh, conventional middle class people. And my dad had a very uh, successful business. He was a, f- a health foods wholesaler in a business that he started. Really, they had health food back then. Yeah, he, he was, and he was not a particularly health nut guy. He just stumbled into this thing, and that for twenty five years was not a money maker. It was like you know, delivering salt free pe- food, salt free, sugar free foods to yeah. old people, and you know, and. Health food nuts, they sure, were called sure. that, crazy people. Yeah. And then suddenly it became big business. In, in the early and 70s, he was, right? he was there. Yeah, late 60s, early 70s. He was... Like what? Like, like he just anything? Like it was just a, yeah, it was a, a wholesaler? Yeah, like, yeah, so everything in a health food store, you know, he had a wig warehouse and he delivered. So, was but, there a lot of this sort of like, try this at home? Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's, <laughs> here's a case of dented cashews. All right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but he was... Um, he loved business. And it could have been literally widgets or anything else. He just loved... Uh, moving building something, stuff, yeah. moving stuff, and yeah. and creating something, and getting better at it, and being efficient at it, and and he was, you know, he was great at. It. And so there was always a presumption that I would follow and get into the business. And I kind of, I used to work my summers there, and I loved. I didn't really love the business. I had a fondness for the business because that's where my dad was. So right. I liked being with him, and I liked his world. But I remember when I had the moment of clarity and realized I wanted to be a comic, and I had to sort of explain it to him and tell him, by the way, I, I need to actually not come into business. I'm going to leave. It wasn't even someday. I was like, I'm actually going to leave where I currently am. And I remember being able to explain it to him. I mean, I was leaving anyway, but I wanted to, you know, him to get it. And I had to compare it to the way he started. It's like, you you started your thing from scratch. And so it's not that you love the health foods, but that you got to make it. Well, that's what I want to do. I'm yeah. going to start from absolute scratch. Yeah. And see what happens. And and it's funny because you asked about doing stand-up. And now, literally today, I was putting together, I said, let me just try another five minutes. And I had two vague ideas. And I worked on it in a way that I haven't done ever. Yeah. If I did, it was 30 years ago. But it's like, okay, literally put that sentence here. Now say it out loud. Yeah, and, I try, yeah. and, and I went, wow, starting from zero is yeah. really... Um, hard and noble work i mean in any endeavor it's like to make something where there was formerly nothing is magic it does it do you do, is there any part of you that fights it i mean because when i sit down to write i, I there's a lot oh, of yeah, pacing there's, there's napping there's oh there's a yeah paint something yes i gotta paint my neighbor's garage that looks nasty <laughs> yeah. um yes of course what, what was your father's response though i mean in well he got moment? it i mean he got it and when he realized that it wasn't just I want to be a comedian just so I can, you know, uh, stay out late and, you know, or meet. piss him off. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It certainly wasn't that. Yeah. But it wasn't like, wow, this is fun staying up late. You know, yeah. because he goes, well, you're out meeting girls and you're, you know, and you're you've got some cash in your pocket. But is that a future? When he, when he was able to realize that I likened it to his starting a business, he went, all right, man. You know, listen, what can I? A, he got it. But even if he didn't, he was like, well, why fight him? Why fight it? It's like you know, I see it with my yeah. kids already. Don't yeah. tell them. But yeah. you know. They're ten to fifteen, and I realize, 
I can't. They're going to do what they're going to do. Yeah, I, and if you I, fight I, him, they're just going to hate you while they do it. And, there, was a great, and, there was a great line in The Sopranos once where Tony and Carmella are in bed and they're going through whatever issue with the daughter. And he goes, well, don't. Don't tell her that we don't. It goes because if you if she finds out we got no power, we're screwed. Yeah, and it's like do not let them know that. It's like well, we don't have any power. We just you have some guidance and you have you can take stuff away from a little kid. But you know, so it's so amazing I, what you can learn from mob movies and uh, yes. like The Godfather and The Godfather Two uh, have all the life lessons. Uh, yeah, that you absolutely, can... and and they were both yeah very impactful on on uh, on me. Uh, certainly, The Godfather, but. Um, but he he was he got it and was very Did he think happy you were funny. Myself. You know, everybody in my family was funny. I don't think I was I wasn't necessarily funnier than anybody in yeah. my family. And we your mom fun. was cool too. Yeah, my mom was happy that I you know yes, but it, it's funny. My family is funny, and you know Jews are funny, and so you know it, it was. I didn't stand out in my house. I I pursued it. I would I would be the ones that bring home. George Carlin records and Mel Brooks records. My sisters weren't doing that. My father wasn't. Doing... But um, yeah, so it wasn't like, oh my gosh, it's so funny. To him, it was like, well, you know, I just root for your success. What was the moment that where the catalyst? So when you said you knew you wanted to be a comic, who were you watching at that? Like in that time, yeah, you, know, you listen to Groucho records, which is no, that was that was in college. You know, the, I had after college. I st- in college actually, I started yeah. doing stand up like during the summers, once, twice, three times. And then after college, I started going full out at the comedy comedy clubs, a comic strip mostly, and for about a year. And then I gave it, you know, that was my deal with my dad. I'm gonna do that for a year, right? And then I'm gonna go into the right. business and get yeah. this up. Then I'll sell. And then I was about six months in, or not yeah. even three months, doing that fully. And I was on the road for in, in for him, yeah, you know, in, in business. And I just had a moment of clar- of just quiet thinking. I realized this is not what I want to do. I'm sitting here in you know Texas, and I'm actually can't wait to get to back to New York. You were on the, you were doing oh, a road yeah, gig. Yeah, yeah. I was in sales on the road and it was just and but truly it was it was that I had some quiet for the first time, you know, in co- you had a noisy household and then you're in college with a thousand kids and then you're in comedy clubs and I had never really been on my own. So just sitting in a hotel room and hearing my own brain for a second went, you know what? It's very clear. This is not what I want to do. What you were I there wanted... on a sales trip for your father? Yeah. Yeah, I was sort of learning learning the business right. from, from from that vantage point. But just having a little moment quiet yeah. time, realized, yes, okay, let's. Be, I can see now this is something I'm doing to either satisfy my parents or to be conventional, to yeah. be safe. It's the safe bet. Yeah. The far less safe bet yeah. is, well, I'm going to roll my dice into show business and hope I get success. But what I was able to realize is I'm never going to be happy if I don't at least pursue it to the end. Because it's not like I had tried and didn't like it. Yeah. And it's not like I tried and was discouraged. I said, so, you know... The, the short while, the one year that I've been on, all I learned was, wow, I really love this, and wow, I could probably be really good if I gave it my all. And you had, a, a, from the beginning, it seems that you had a, a fairly unique style, that there was guys in your class uh, who I see as, as Larry, yourself, Jerry Seinfeld, right? Around the we same time. Around the same time, yeah. Uh, Larry David, but he was over. Larry's a little ahead, uh, earlier than us. Yeah, but he was, you know, on again, off again, kinda right. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, he was his own thing. What was his reputation then? Do you remember him? Yeah, he was always. He was sort of, you know, he's great to watch. Comics, comic. I mean, yeah, he, he, everybody knew he was powerfully funny. Yeah, but he was, he was sort of the class a little earlier. And Mark Schiff, and Mark right? Schiff was uh, in Carol Leifer. Yeah, and uh, you know, Rich Hall was that uh, that grouping, and and uh, trying to think who else. I mean. 
So it was a generation after Freddie Prince gave Kaplan. Yeah, it was those a good generation. The Richard Lewis got small. Richard Lewis was still like, it was a, before it was established. So you're like in between me and them, your your generation. Yeah, but you know, but you know, it's it's, it it's keeps like immigration. Yeah, 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 there's yeah, always yeah. another boat coming. Right. Um, so after the Dutch, before the French. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's it's sort of interesting to me because you had like there was a lot of guys doing uh, observational comedy, but you had a very you know, definable tone. There was something about your presentation that was uniquely yours, and uh, and there's also do you, do you find now I, now I don't I don't talk about this a lot, but I talk about it sometimes. I have this theory about. Uh, about the tone of comedy, you know, up through the eighties, was a lot of Jews doing it. There was a lot of Jewish comedians, uh-huh. and they all had, you know, I'm Jewish myself, and the, and I gravitated towards Jewish comics. And I have this theory that that once Prozac became popular, <laughs> that <laughs> people no longer believe that we could be that uncomfortable. <laughs> Is that possible? Because like, so pharmaceutically, yeah, the yeah. business was altered. Yeah, yeah, it was altered because it's like, how can he still be complaining? They have medicine for that. Is that? <laughs> I don't know. You know, that's an interesting thing. I've I've read Woody Allen and Neil yeah. Simon talk about specifically that. Neil Simon talked about you know he for years he never wanted to uh, see a therapist because he thought quite frankly and and clearly that no I'll lose my funny that my problems are the yeah. my funny and and then uh, he was smart enough to realize that no you can actually get healthy and eliminate some of your pain and still tap into you know whatever uh, you know Woody Allen for sure. Uh, I don't think so. He there's some around truth maybe. Miserable. I, um, um, did you ever meet I, Woody Allen? Yeah, I actually I did a play he directed uh, uh, off Broadway a couple of years ago. Was that a big moment for yeah, you? Yeah, it was. It was you know, and it was the craziest gig in the world. I, I got a call and he said Woody Allen wants you to come and be in this play that he's directing a series of two one acts, a little theater. Like what year was this? Oh three. Uh huh. Well, eight years ago. Yeah, I can remember. Um, and you know, I was here and we had two kids, and I said, well, I'm not, you know, and. I said to my wife, I said, well, I'm really flattered. He said, you listen to this. I said, listen to listen to what I'm not going to do. Yeah. I said, but, but I was just like, what do you mean? Woody Allen heard of me? He yeah. knows. That. That's just, <laughs> I'm astounded right there. Stop yeah. there. And yeah, this uh, is after Mad About You and everything else. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. but you would not. But that wasn't my modesty. I just wouldn't pres- I wouldn't presume for a second that he watches television yeah. uh, or knows. He's Woody Allen. He just, yeah, he, he just, just does, sits around being Woody Allen. He goes to Elaine's and he reads, you know, <laughs> yeah. Proust. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just wouldn't believe that yeah. my world would passed by his world and and by the way as i sit here and say that i don't know that it had it had it's yeah. very possible somebody said watch this tape of this guy you might like him you know it's like yeah. he may not have but it, whatever it was i got the call and my wife uh bless her said you got to go do that yeah i said but it's three months and i'm gonna be in new york and you know nine dollars yeah uh you know it's not making any money and uh she said well we'll bring the kid my kids were littler obviously at the time and they could come and so it was the most expensive gig. So I took a really nice hotel room in New York for three <laughs> months, and I made one hundred and forty dollars <laughs> a week, and uh, and uh, it was great. But I, I said I can't pass up this opportunity. To, it's like to work with Woody. And in fact, uh, you know, I've spoken to uh, people who have been in his films, and they, I said, well, that must be exciting. What's that like? And he said, it's great, but you don't. Re- he doesn't give you anything. He just, you know, he casts you and he trusts you, and then he leaves you alone. So there's no real give and take. This was. A thousand times better than that. This was sitting in a room like in college. You know, when I did, you know, silly ass plays in college, it's like it was that. It wasn't even a big theater. It was, you know, we worked in a little warehouse, uh, you know, rehearsal room. Yeah. Then we went to the theater, which was not that much bigger. And it felt like you were in college. It was this little theater. And and I thought, oh my God. And Woody, it was, it was 
joyful. It was great. What, what was it that, that you did feel like you got to? You got well, a yeah, sense you of had him. to. Yes, because you you were. It wasn't you know if you meet somebody and you're nervous and you this was you're having lunch every day and you're sitting you're telling jokes and you're reading the paper and you suddenly you know and you're you know you're talking about stuff in the news <laughs> together or you're talking about yeah really. And I remember there's one point that uh, uh, well. The, uh, there's a lot of it was wonderful highlights. And a lot of it, the other actors and I were just looking. There's one guy. My thing was basically a, a two-hander. It was mostly two guys. And there was a, one woman who came in at the end. But most of the time, he and I were rehearsing. We just look at each other going, do you believe it? Oh, my God. <laughs> Woody Allen. That's Woody. And then he would come after, backstage and give us notes. And sometimes they were theatrical acting notes. But yeah. more often, they were what you would do listening to a set. Yeah. He had absolutely had the stand-up comic ear. And he would come over and he would, he would make a change. Sometimes he'd make a cut. Um, or sometimes, but sometimes it would be more like just change this word, change this line. Um, and he would, it was so, um, refreshing to see how pure his ear was and his, his heart was. To because, rhythm and beats and, and comedy. And, yeah. And how, how much he cared about it. And he would come back, you know, on a crap, we had two or three weeks, I guess, three weeks of, uh, uh what are they, not run throughs, uh, previews, previews, yeah, yeah. previews. That's how theater oriented. What's yeah. the word? Previews. So which basically they don't count and you get to yeah. iron out and they're not reviewed. And so he, we have an audience and then he'd come backstage right after with like with his notes. Yeah. And he'd say, why, why didn't that line work? I, I don't understand. It worked <laughs> yesterday and it didn't work today. And I go, what are you kidding? How long you been doing this? It's, you, you did, there's no. Was there a part where you're like, relax, Woody. No, but, but I, I love seeing how upset he was. But it was like a child in yeah. the best sense. Yeah. That's like. Oh my gosh! Well, we're going to chase that for the rest of our lives. Hopefully, yeah. it's like, right. why didn't it get a laugh? <laughs> and one night, yeah. and then, 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 when the show uh, previews ended and we actually opened, yeah, he didn't come every night. Yeah, and I turned to the other guy. Said, "Why are we doing this now?" <laughs> For 99 people? I'm not with my family for $40? I was only doing it to play with Woody. Yeah, I was paying for this trip so absolutely, I could hang out with Woody Absolutely, and it was it was a joy. And I remember one night, you just didn't get laughs, and you could just feel like, okay. And he came backstage like like a like a coach, like yeah. just kind of, he goes, okay, relax. That was almost the Peter Falk. I don't have a Woody yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, they were rubes. They were farmers. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah. And, and, um, they were rubes and farmers. They were rubes and farmers. That's why. That was his <laughs> understanding of why they didn't laugh tonight. Now, we're, we're, as somebody who clearly was a fan of his for so long, um, were you surprised? Was there, were, was, did, did, because sometimes when I, I meet people that, that I respect, and even like I just read the Keith Richards autobiography, and it, and it actually made him a, a bigger presence to me. Mm. Like, were you, were, were you were completely, so it, it made him a, a more whole person. You, you weren't disappointed in anyone. No, it, it's it's. Uh, I wasn't disappointed. In fact, it was. You know, I've been really blessed, and I've gotten to m meet and work with uh, idols. You yeah. know, and and, and I, I sound so show busy, Sammy Davis, to say <laughs> I met Sammy Davis once. But you know, say I'm blessed. But I really. I mean, uh, if I take stock of my life, or when it's all over, I go well that. Those are among my my uh, greatest memories and senses of accomplishment. Not just that you meet them, but to somehow they weren't. It wasn't by happenstance. It's like right. that I that I that I feel some way managed to earn it and get to play. You know, so when Mel Brooks came on to Mad About You for four episodes, and and Jerry Lewis and Carl Reiner and Sid Caesar, and we, yeah. just, we would just all pinch ourselves. And go, oh my God! You yeah. know, we were saying before these people who you and they were even before Mel. I mean. She, certainly, Sid was before my time, but I grew up on the two thousand year old man record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to have them and and specifically Mel come and do 
<laughs> basically, you know, creates this character that is basically the old Jew. Yeah. And we would just, my God. And, 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 uh, and it rounds it rounds them out, and it, it makes it sort of connects the dots for me because it doesn't in any way diminish uh, who they were and how much I loved them and and how much I was formed by them. Um, but rather, it's like okay, it, it it fills in the dots. Like okay, they're people too, and wow, okay, yeah. they can get cranky. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. You know, if they don't eat, they're going to be this way. And like you know what, he's a little that way. She's a little that way. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I saw. Uh, just, they're just people that do. You're in the same business as them, and you they must had have the same problem. Yeah. I remember here. You will, you will like this. I remember uh, a thousand years ago during my two dads. Yeah, and we had uh, Jan Murray. Oh my God, was a was a guest. Star. I only knew him as uh, the Center Square, or one of the squares. Yeah, yeah. On the well, Hollywood actually, the one week that he that he was on, maybe he was on a couple. But no, anyway. But anyway, this one particular week, and it, the guest stars were uh, Jan Murray and Willie Mays. Uh-huh. So I was like, my cup running over. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Willie came in for you know a four hour shoot. Yeah. And basically the story was, Jan played my uncle. Yeah. Who was supposed to have gotten uh, Mickey Mantle? No, no, no. He's supposed to have gotten Willie Mays at a birthday party as when I was a kid, and he messed it up, and he and and now he said it to my kid that and and I said you better not. You know, don't make any promises, and he finally, or he doesn't produce who he said he was going to for the kid. Yeah. But he says, "I owe you twenty years late or thirty years late." But yeah. here's Willie Mays. But anyway, so Jan Murray was there, and we were rehearsing, and, and he was a couple of mornings that would just he went on a roll of just a comic thing. Yeah, and he would just start spritzing. And I remember one time he just. I don't know what it was. He was making fun of somebody who would walk by and he got a laugh and then he built that at another laugh and yeah. boom. And within a minute, we're just rolling on the floor and he stands up like, you know, like Ali standing over listening. Yeah. He goes, and that's what they call a roll. And, and <laughs> but the story I was trying to, I was trying to get to yeah. was one night, it was like six o'clock and he was tired and you know, yeah. he was in his sixties or seventies and he, he said, well, I said, hey, when are we going to get out of here? Because i got to do a thing for Milton at the Friars tonight. I said, what? He goes, yeah. I, damn it. I, I don't know. They wrote me in again. i got to go to the Friars. I hope I get on early. I do not want to go on after Milton. And I just said, are you kidding me? Are you telling me this never ends? You're 74. You're looking at your watch going, please don't put me on after the guy. I don't want to go on after Milton. And, oh, and he's going to do the same jokes. And I went, oh, man. And it was this very... Uh, gratifying to be in this wonderful club, and I don't just mean comics, but this this club of humanity. Yeah, we're like no matter how big you get. Yeah, you're. Yeah, you, you know. <laughs> still, so John Lennon still wants to meet Chuck Berry. Right. Okay, and, and he still might have to follow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like I don't want to go on first. I don't want to go on first. I don't want to go on last. Can I go on third? Yeah, third. So That's to, it. to know that these these imperfections yeah. are there for everybody is very heartwarming yeah. to me. Yeah, it's sweet. Now, in, in in yeah, you've had a very you know a, a sweet career, and 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 with Mad about I'm you, I'm hoping that this today will kill it. No, no, that this is only this is your this is a rebirth. Oh, yeah, that this that's what I this, misunderstood. I only came because <laughs> I wanted to put an end to it. <laughs> all right, I'll right. try. Well, let's no, see what no, happens. Wait, we, I'm we open. Do it. I'm we open. <laughs> we can do it. A rebirth. All right. So you like? I remember there was a moment like I remember like um yeah, haven't known you from Diner, and then like I don't remember when Aliens. It was it was the second Aliens or the first the one? second one. 85. The second one. So All right, that was three years after. Right, because I saw you this funny guy, and then you know me and my friends we go there, we see Aliens, and we're like, oh, yeah, Paul Rez is serious now. He's doing serious <laughs> acting. Can he do it? Can he do it? And he did it. You were creepy. It was good, but you still had a little bit of you know funny in there. But it wasn't. But that that was you know somebody said, well, what's your plan now? And I said, well, there's no plan. I don't have a plan. I don't know anybody who's ever really had a plan, and. 
certainly in show business. But you wanted to do movies. Well, but you know, wanted to. But I also, you know, I wanted to also wanted to go out with Bo Derek. Right. You know, <laughs> the phone didn't ring. So um, probably lucky you didn't. Uh, it worked out well. <laughs> but really, you take whatever opportunity. So I kind of I wasn't working that hard at getting movies. I literally diner, as I said, it's told. But that was it, a big part for a comic. It was a huge part and a huge. Uh, it wasn't, you know, Porky's Nine. It right. wasn't some. It, this was a as a turn, and I believe me, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't. I just, sure. you know, somebody sent me a script and it had yeah. the MGM lion on it and everything. I went, wow, this yeah. is a real movie. <laughs> okay, sure. Where yeah. do I go? Yeah, same thing, you know, and and each the sort of thing begat another. And, right, and out of that, so having seen Diner, uh, Marty Brest when he was casting Beverly Hills Cop had an idea for one little scene he wanted me to be in and like well sure and so I got to be with Eddie Murphy and who I already knew and that was great fun and two years later Jim Cameron's on a plane and he sees Beverly Hills Cop uh, and he sees me and he thought huh that guy might be right for aliens so they called me I don't know you know it wasn't any brilliant agent right 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 right, right, it was because he had an inkling so when I got that phone call like okay can you well can you act? It's like, I don't know. I mean, I've been in plays. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't feel the need to have to make this funny. I, I, you know, I get them. I read it. I get it. Oh, just, just be a guy. And, and in fact, the casting of that was his thought was, I want to get somebody who we, I can hopefully bury the lead. We won't, we can delay as long as possible. The fact that he's going to turn out to be the villain right. of the piece and that he's, you know, a young so guy. Yeah, smart. Yeah, but in fact, people go asshole right off the bat. They yeah, go, that's yeah. the guy, that guy, he's an asshole. Um, yeah. But it, but it wasn't my God. I've got to do Shakespeare in the Park, or sure, I've got to sure. do dramatics. Like what? You're somebody good. asked me for somebody right. gave me a job. Okay, yeah, I'll and go then, there. And then when Mad About You happened, I mean, did you like? Well, I mean, Mad About You, I did, you know, create and and you know, someone talking before about uh, I created it with with Danny Jacobson uh, together. But but that came, that was a deliberate thing. Um, right. It was a, when, it was a pitch you you created with the. With but the, it was but it was I was talking before about like you learn you should try everything because right. you'll find what you like to do and you can also eliminate so i had been writing so the lineage is what you know when barry levinson had suggested to somebody at cbs that i write an episode of diner the series was going to be a part it was a pilot I don't yeah. know that. and then so i wrote an episode of the show that it never went but i started getting into writing and i wrote i don't know a bunch of pilots over the years and i wrote one pilot for and it almost went at nbc and it didn't and then that same but they said, but here's this other script from my two dads. Yeah. And I went, oh. And I didn't particularly, you know, in all fairness to, with no disrespect to anybody there, I was like, I don't really want to do this, but probably won't go. So right. I'll just shoot a pilot, make right. some money. And, and then I found out it went. I went, oh, oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm that guy. Now I'm, yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, you don't want to poo-poo work, but it's like, wow, I didn't really, I didn't plan to do this. Were, anyway, were you, were you uh, upset about it? I, I, I was surprised. I went, I literally, I remember it was a month after that we made the pilot, and my manager called and said, well, it got picked up. I said, what did? He said, the pilot. I said, what pilot? He yeah. Goes, the thing you did. That? Really? They yeah. go with that? Okay. Um, but were you, was there that moment I, where I, like, I, I'm I didn't be particularly, that guy. Well, it, it didn't have, you know, I didn't have a real, no, I don't want to be so, you know, arrogant or egotistical. I, I, it wasn't like I was above anything. Right. It just, it didn't particularly appeal to my sensibilities. Right, right. It was a fine, you know, show. It was like, and it was a nice job. And hey, it's nice to get. How long did it run? Three years, okay. three seasons, and um, but uh, but in the beginning I was fighting it because it wasn't it wasn't uh, 
didn't feel like what I could your voice me yeah, yeah. I, I didn't and I didn't know how to I didn't particularly really want to be there yeah uh, and it took me a while to get over that and just say well you know what it's a pretty darn good life and yeah. uh even if you're manufacturing a product that you yourself don't use in the home yeah it's still it's not a bad it's not napalm you know what I mean? right it's not a bad product um but the end result of that for me was okay if I'm ever going to do another tv show uh I I, I I know what I want it to be, and I don't want X, Y, and Z. I want it to be, you know, these other things. And so when somebody came to me, it was like two years later, I said they wanted to develop something, and I said, well, I don't know. I don't, you didn't particularly want to. Actually, I wanted to do stand-up, and I was, at that point, this is now late 80s, early 90s, uh, I was a big, on a bit of a roll. It was like I, I finally had hit a stride, I felt, of my stand-up, yeah, and I was doing stuff about girlfriends and in relationships and domestic stuff, and I, and it felt I said, okay, this seems to be better for me. This is right. Yeah, I didn't do it again on purpose. It just wow, this chunk of material is working better than right. airplanes. I right. think this is this is your area. You were living it. Yeah, yeah. And so I said, well, if I was going to do a show, I said uh, it w- I'd want it to be like this, you know, so small, like about you know a couple, and um, and and the stuff that I'm doing in my act and and that's where mad about you came from so and the and the guideline for that as big as it got the guideline was always let's keep it small it's about a man and a woman it's about a relationship it's a husband and wife so and we that was our running joke with Helen Hunt and I we you know sometimes find ourselves in the silly crazy thing we're in we're in a virtual reality and Christy yeah. Brinkley is like it's the little things it's just yeah. the little things. <laughs> Yeah, but 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 we did always stick to that and no matter how crazy it got what was always at the heart of it was these little things so um, that's where sort of they merged for me, where my stand-up and what I felt I was best at yeah. kind of merged and I was able to put forward. Into and it worked. It worked. And that went for, what, eight years, nine years? Seven years. But all the whole time, I kept thinking, if I could just do like a a radio show in the Valley, <laughs> deep, deep, deep in Pasadena <laughs> with Mark Marone, then... <laughs> then it'd be it. That's it. Then yeah. I can get out. Well, then, well that, so your your dream is all is all happening. Yeah, that's why I don't need this to be a rebirth. Yeah, this is happy, a good funeral. But so then after that, <laughs> after after Mad About You, like, was there this time there when uh, did you feel like then you were going to be typecast or pigeonholed or that was it or did you feel like I won, I'm done, I'm good? I mean, was I felt there... totally. I felt totally all those things. I felt, gee, I won. I certainly, uh, you know, was able to count my blessings and good fortune and you know uh there are plenty of good shows that don't hit that golden ring in that moment of time so but just personally i was happy to not be out there for a while for i, mean, I didn't have a plan like gee i want to stay low for seven years or ten years i was i was very uh content and wanted to stay home and we built this house and then we had a second kid so i thought well i just want to really just be home and I'm, you enjoyed it and I did. Yeah, you, I was. you weren't one of those people that was like, I, oh, no, I was No, no. I mean, I was always doing something, and I, was, yeah. and I finally wrote the movie, and I went yeah. out and did, made that movie with Peter. Um, I did, you know, one or two little parts in the movie when yeah. something came up, and it was always, well, it's either the part or the, you know, the the people. It's like, well, I got to do this thing with Joe Montaigne. It's like, well, I love Joe And Montaigne. you're writing books, too, by the way. This, yeah, you just books. put the third so, book out, uh, Familyhood. Hey, you know what? The, Thank the... you for mentioning that, because that's why I'm sitting here. Oh, really? to talk about the book. I for forgot. The, for this... the Hood series? Yeah. You've got the, you had Couplehood, and then what was the other one? Child? Uh, well, for Couplehood, and then Babyhood, and mm-hmm. now this Family Familyhood. Hood. And they, when I got the <laughs> in, invitation to come write another book, and I said, well, and I knew what it was, what it was going to be. Sure. And it, it's this, I said, basically, it's a continuation, but it's, you know, it's 15 years since the last one, so it's a little deeper and it's a little, hopefully a little wiser, maybe not, but, um, well, uh, they said, well, what are you going to call it? And I said, well, 
and I had 12 good titles. Yeah. They said, nah, we like Hood. I went, yeah, God, yeah. it just sounds so, you know, jokingly predictable. They're going, yeah, well, you sold a lot of books with the Hoods and the Couple Hood and the Baby Hood. And I said, yeah, all right. The tone's a little different here, though. The tone of the book is different, but, you know, because I'm different. You know, yeah. it's like, I mean, the last one, and I even put in the preface of the book, I, I, I it was, um, uh, you know, the, the last one my, my son was... I think I wrote it. He was a year old, and mm -hmm. so it's still all fascinating and, and horrifying and, and mystifying and all these things. And I never dreamed during all the time, like go off and write a book. It's like, wow, that's fifteen years. Okay, life has changed so much. I'm, you know, many ways a different guy. You know, you can't be a parent for fifteen years and, yeah. and be the same person. So um, it was very different. So and and I, I, I the comments that I've heard from people who surprised and for the most part pleasantly surprised they said well it's deeper it's i said well it's yeah it's, it's funny i mean there's a lot of funny stuff in it but it was it was uh this felt i wasn't reaching for stuff this felt like stuff that i really wanted to write and talk about and got a little wisdom i, I don't know if there's wisdom or it's like i'm just scratching my head in a in a in a different way right it's like you know and, and you know i've been going on talk shows talking about it and i thought somebody said why did you write this i said well there's something that you get out of finding out that you're not alone. And for an audience, and that's what stand-up is, people go, oh, yeah, man, that's so funny. Yeah. They're laughing because they recognize right. it. As a comic, you're going, oh, thank God it's not just me. Right. You know, I'm I'm validated by their laughter. And it's the same with the show and the same with the book. Um, the people read it and, and they feel like, oh, okay, especially with something as intricate and absurd as parenting. You go, I mean, I was, there's a chapter in there that uh, where I, I bonded with a buddy uh, over the fact that we were having some problems each with our with our own kids, with our indip in individual kids. What kind of problems? Just, you know, this one is struggling at school, this one had, a, you know, a health yeah. scare, and it's yeah. like, well, guys don't really talk about that. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm not even like there's any kind of shame, it's just like we're not built, we don't generally share. You suck it up. And my wife and her friends will always just, it's not even, yeah, it's not, it just don't, doesn't dawn on me, it never yeah. dawned on me to say, you know, it might actually be, uh, you might find it fruitful to right. talk to somebody else who's comforting. Kid, yeah. yeah. And and in writing it, like so, so we had this. We became great friends, and we actually met because our wives said, "You know, you guys would really get." They were friends, yeah. And they said, "You guys would really get along." We both went. We don't need another friend. Yeah, yeah. I got friends. <laughs> I, I made all my friends. Years yeah, and ago. I'm not even I'm calling saying. them. So <laughs> yeah. I'm good. I'm lousy with friends. Yeah, yeah. So, but we hit it off, and we would, you know, and and one of the things that we stumbled to now, you know, in our fifties. But like realizing, oh, there's something to friendship and actually talking and and uh, and 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 putting putting yourself out there a little and and you know, actually with the book, I feel like I'm putting myself out there a lot. Well, isn't it very... interesting though? Because you know, as a comic, I know that as well. That 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 feeling of taking an emotional risk is is a little daunting. Yeah, I remember. I, you know, I can't. Remember, <laughs> I can just remember a bunch of comics at very points trying stuff out on stage and they'll do a bit you know whether it's in the shower you know yeah. there's a bit of, or you're in the bathroom or something or you know, you're having sex and yeah. they do a bit and there's no laughter and the response is always all right well i guess it's just me yeah <laughs> and like yeah, yeah, yeah. just me yeah and like yeah and you but you're not on the other hand you're going to put something forward and you're going to get a huge laugh because it's not just you right and you're not going to get that unless you risk that's right putting it out there yeah so hopefully with doing it enough years you have some sensibility and right. some sense of right appropriateness like well don't share that idiot right um but yeah you can. that's exactly what i always share which is why <laughs> <laughs> why you you don't you're share the, that yeah that's a, that's, that's what i your do business here. yeah 
yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's got to be everyone's business. But I mean, on a friendship level, even as I get older, that there, the you know, your your heart gets kind of heavy because you know you're getting older and then you got kids and you got these other problems. And sometimes to sit with them, it 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 it, it kind of alienates you from other people. And there's that moment where you reach out to somebody else. Where you're like, oh, thank God, you know? Yeah, and, and it's surprising, and I think there is a bit of a gender thing there. Yeah, that men don't come to that naturally, and you know, I'm st- I still not, I don't particularly, you know, spill my guts and talk to people at a drop of a hat, but in small doses with the with the right people, you realize, yeah. boy, that's something I wouldn't have done ten years ago, right? And I probably wouldn't have done it, excuse me, without having not had kids, because kids just open up your concerns. You just you just care more about sure. In general, you care yeah. more. Um, you know, you don't ask yourself, you don't ask yourself questions or push yourself um, until you have to. And yeah. kids make you have to. Right. So when they ask you, you know, they point out a double standard of yours, or they, you know, how does the world work? And they go, wow, okay, Shit. I don't know. All right. <laughs> how do I frame this? Yeah. How do yeah. I explain this to you? Yeah. You know, and I, you know, my, my my kids will ask me about you know girls, and you know, a fifteen year old for sure. You know, yeah. it's like he's dad. I, I'm always thinking about girls. Yeah. And I go, it's never going to stop. That's all I can tell you. It's like <laughs> you will carry that, you know, and and you're in. You're in. You're in that club now. Have there ever have there been other like those those more uh, you know sex involved conversations or how to do things or that kind of stuff? I don't have kids, so I can't imagine how to handle it. Uh, you know, it hasn't gotten there yet. Yeah. But uh, that's why you know I drive around the block a lot. I don't want. I, <laughs> don't you, you go say away. things like, "Don't you have the internet?" Apparently, yeah. it's all on the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just go ahead. Yeah, it'll it'll go away. Now, I I'd be remiss to to not talk about uh, the show that didn't work. You'd be remiss. I, is that would it be? Would I be remiss? No, I, I, that's not the wrong word. But I, really, you'd be remiss. <laughs> well, I, I don't mean, know that you'd be remiss. Well, I mean, it's it, it, it happened. So uh, yeah. yeah. And what was uh, what what happened there? <laughs> I'm, I, I've been there making that same phone call. Yeah. In fact, just this morning I called. I said, "Hey, what happened there?" <laughs> There's uh, no answer. Uh, there is no answer. No. There's just no. no it, it was it was very disappointing because you know after having taken, uh, you know, not wanting to particularly do a show at all yeah. for 10, 11 years, yeah. and then created this thing which felt really right and was really good. I mean, that's that. What was most frustrating about it is that. It didn't prog- it didn't proceed and it didn't become part of the world. It didn't evolve. Not because of yeah. it, because it wasn't good. I mean, right. and and I'm pretty tough on myself. And yeah, I, and I know, and I know from the people who saw it and, that this was a good show and this was a show that would have really grown. Yeah, and and found its audience. But I always said from the beginning, I said, I promise you, this is not going to jump out of the gate. Yeah, this is a show that needs to um, just leave it alone. Put, yeah. it in, put it in one place, right. whatever you want, pick right. a time, leave it there, and people will come to it. And I promise you there's 10 million people, which in this day and age is a huge... I said, this a, yeah. pro- I said, there's 290 people who won't care for this at all. Mm-hmm. There's many other things they can watch. I said, but there are 10 million who will find this, embrace this, and stay with it for years. And um, unfortunately, that they didn't do that. And, you know... For a bunch of reasons, the mo- those glaring of which was, you know, this was developed under one regime, and then the entire NBC it wasn't even like a new guy. The entire company was that sold. happened. Yeah, NBC was sold, and new people came in, and they oh, put new the people. Worst. So, so there was nobody there who said, "I believe in this," and you know, I think they believed in it enough to say, well, "Let's put it on and see right. if there's a huge thundering run towards this show." Right. 
No? Okay, goodbye. So they just saw it as an opportunity, like, oh, a clean house, fuck it. Yeah, I, I think it was, I think they would have been thrilled if if it succeeded, but at the same time, the reality was, they said, listen, we, they, and I was told, we have no money to promote this. I went, well, it doesn't take that much. You put up an ad in a bus, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, it was yeah. like $12, what is that? And they, so I said, and I said, listen, I don't care. I'm not going to be insulted. Yeah. I said, that's, I understand, whatever the business, I said, but let's put it on, because they were, there was debate even that, should we just burn it? We had seven episodes. And they said, well, you know, and they were going to really just roll or, you know, say, take it elsewhere. And I said, well, put it on. I said, yeah. just watch. I yeah. said, you know, I, I'm willing to take a bet on myself. And I and I said, as far as the promotion, you guys can't do that. I said, well, listen, that's okay. As long as you know when you when we get weak numbers, we're going to get, you know, weak numbers because yeah. obviously nobody knows about it. Yeah. So just don't get, don't panic and, yeah. and, 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 and misread that. Right. Um, but sadly, that's all they look at. They go, numbers, numbers were bad. I go, well, yes, because the people who right. would watch this right. show were not made aware of it. I, mean, I can't tell, I mean, it just literally came and went. So it was, you know, it was very disappointing. And, and if if it had gone on and gotten a, a real shot and fail, I would say, okay, right. I'm, I'm wrong, you know. So and, now you got to live with the fact that it didn't get its shot. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was just, and it was, I was, uh, very looking forward to doing it because I loved the world of the show and I loved the cast. We had this unbelievably talented cast that I said, well, okay, I can write for these people. That guy, uh, the Jalili, Jalili. Guy, it's great. He's one of the funniest, powerfully funniest guys there is. And, you know, he was, I, I we twisted everybody into a pretzel to, to get him. Yeah. And I said, this guy is brilliant. I said, and I said, he's going to be the breakout star yeah. happily. And so, so it was, you know, it was disappointing. Do you feel like it, that because you chose the network, that it, was there a talk, uh, was there any uh, uh, ideas initially to do it at cable or why NBC? Um, it was, we, we went, you know, I never conceived it as a network, to tell you the truth. Right. I thought of it was a cable. Um, but at that moment, you know, you have to go where uh, the buyers are and what they have at that moment. And HBO and H, you know, they passed and they had other things and uh, in development that were close to it or or, right. or or it wasn't their cup of tea or whatever yeah. it was. So of the of those that were interested, NBC was was the most promising. You go, okay. You know, again, I would have loved if if everybody said, we've got to have it. No, we've got to have right, it. Right, right. And so NBC uh, stepped up and I thought, okay, you know what? Listen, yeah. I, you know, again, I, I'm not, I can only, it's like stand-up, you can only control your little world. And I said, well, I can't fix a network or make a great network. I said, I can only make a little show and hope somebody buys it. And I was awfully proud of the show and and excited about making more of them and, and, and proud of the, the ones that we did make. So what's, what's still uh, hard to, you know, say what happened there? It's like, that was it? Really? Two airings? Eight, eight days yeah, and we're done? I can't imagine. So, so it, it was brutal, um, but most frustrating that, it fell into for all the all my intent to avoid it. It ended up falling into just the most cliche of traps. Like, yeah, we tested and the numbers were yeah. not good for two weeks. I went, yeah, but that's not how you make a show, really. Do you think you would have had more support hadn't they changed hands? Oh, for sure. And because you, you had guys there yeah. and you knew the guys yeah. and they knew you. Sure. Guys and 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 I just think anybody. Yeah. So I and I don't really fault anybody. It's just the reality of the world. You know, if I came in to take over uh, whatever, a new job, I'm going to be more excited about the stuff that I'm bringing in than the guy left over from the last guy. But a lot of those guys, they don't even have stuff yet. And they, yeah. <laughs> they're just sort yeah. of like, yeah. look, but, we can get rid of this because it wasn't even on our watch. Yeah, so it's it was, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm sorry it didn't work out. Hey, thank you. And I'm glad you came by and talked. Uh, 
And now this will go out to people. This is not just me and you sitting in your garage. No, Other well, people will hear I, this? I, no, I, I just like to meet the guys that you know do the same thing as me and made a good living at it, and it makes me it's feel quite better. A, it's that's qu- all. It's quite a <laughs> setup you got here. You, people, you, a roost you get. People come in, visit you at home. and yeah, No, th- this one is actually, uh, this, this does get listened to. All right. And then people will very- Well, tell those people uh, to go. <laughs> I was like- Go Wait, get the DVD of the show. I, I don't even know. What, what, you, what you happens can't. to it now? Do you get I'm going to come over and show it here. Yeah. They're not They're not holding on to it. <laughs> we must have this. Oh, you can have it. <laughs> Is there any hope for it? Yeah, we're people? talking to Al Jazeera. Uh, <laughs> okay. They have uh, All right. 13 we, and off. I think you can get that online now. So it's uh, <laughs> exactly. you can certainly watch it. Thanks a lot, Paul. Thank you. Well, that's it. That's our show. That was Paul Reiser. Uh, I don't know when the last time you heard from Paul was, but uh, there you go. It was good talking to him. Uh, as always, uh, most of the time anyways, go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. It's all there now. There's an episode guide. No more questions about who's been on the show or if they've been on the show. It's all there under episode guide. You can go there. You can get the app for iPhone, iPod, Touch, iPad, Droid. You can do all this stuff. You can buy episodes. You can get new merch. Hey, I'm thinking about getting uh, buttons made. How about buttons? I tend to want to get merch that I want to wear made or that I think is fun. Well, anyways, WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. You can go to iTunes Premium, uh, which is if you go to iTunes and search WTF Premium, uh, there's some great episodes up there for purchase. You can also purchase them through WTFPod.com. All right, Punchline Magazine. Uh, dot com is also a good resource for uh, comedy stuff. I, oh boy, don't feed the Google. Talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs>